Tom Cruise, Scarlett Johansson, and Steven Spielberg walked into a bar or a webinar in this case. Hello, listeners. I am your host, Ziad Matar, and I'd like to welcome you all to the Wirelessly Yours podcast, where I talk about everything tech, business, and design. On each episode, I will take you through how cutting-edge technologies, emerging business models, and the latest design trends are transforming our world and shaping the future. You will also get to hear from my guests about their opinions on global developments and the opportunities they create, as well as their impact on society. Stay tuned for more. Wirelessly Yours. Hello, listeners. Thanks for tuning in to Wirelessly Yours, my podcast about all things tech, business, and design. I'm your host, Ziad Matar, and joining me in this episode is the wonderful Lara Shikhani, where we will discuss user experience, or UX, as it is more commonly referred to, a discipline which is, in fact, at the intersection of these three elements, tech, design, and business. Uh, Lara is a user experience and digital strategy consultant at Oliver Wyman, and she's joining us today all the way from Beirut, where she grew up, studied, and currently lives. Uh, Lara, as you know, this is a conversation that we started a few weeks ago and you could not join us uh, due to extreme circumstances, if I may say. So I'm glad we could make it happen today. Welcome uh, on board. Uh, As usual, I start by talking about our uh, backgrounds, Uh, your background, my background, what's behind me, what's behind you, but also, uh, you know, where you come from, what do you do at work, talk about about, about uh, a bit about Oliver Wyman, and really, how did you become a user experience uh, professional? Okay, thank you, Ziad. First of all, um, so my my background my background is technical. So I studied computer science. I, I'm a geek by passion. <laughs> um, but, Welcome to the club. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but um, and then I I, I liked I, I loved the aspect that I love technology, but I love the aspect of people more. So it was a, s- a series of I would say fortunate events that took me in the direction of UX uh, back in tw- 2008. It was still a domain that was very not known, um, very new. Um, and uh, this is when I, I landed a job as a user experience consultant. So I I, I was. You know, I was working in, in consulting before and I wanted something in between technology and people. And this was the perfect job. Um, and I, I went, started that journey. It was very interesting. At the same time, it was challenging because you, you don't have a lot of resources. And it's still like, I mean, I think until 2015, I still had to explain to people what I do. Um, Which so, is maybe where we should start this session today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I worked in different companies. 2015, I, I decided to take it further. Um, after working in different companies and advertising agencies, I wanted to see what I can do more with UX. And this is when I started freelancing. And uh, four years and a half after I, I worked with a lot of startups, uh, businesses, I joined Oliver Wyman as a, uh, as a UX lead UX uh, UI designer um, back in May. Um, and now I'm working more on, on a different scale of projects and, you know, it's a different, more strategy, more, um, um, more corporate, uh, projects. So, uh, Very interesting, yeah. Yeah. uh, we'll talk more a little bit uh, about that because I can imagine, um, you know, um, as a freelancer, maybe you were working more on, uh, individual, uh, startups or, or smaller companies. And when you work with a big, uh, consulting group as Oliver Wyman, your scope expands, and you're working even beyond that with uh, large corporations and even governments sometimes. So yeah. this is going to be a topic that we will tackle later down the road. But I want to talk about the elephant in the Zoom, as I call it. 
And uh, typically, uh, I know for myself, uh, I do this uh, mistake uh, or I'm learning around this whole topic. UX is different than UI, user experience and user interface. And we tend to put them together uh, as one, one concept, even in, in, in the naming perspective, we talk about UX, UI. So can you explain a little bit uh, to me and uh, our listeners, what is the difference between UX uh, and UI to start with? And then I'll ask you a few more questions about that. Yeah, that's my favorite <laughs> question. And the biggest challenge in, in what I do is because we always say UX, UI, UI, UX, they're all together. I mean, what I say is user experience, it's something not very um, tangible. So it's a feeling that you have when you use a product. Um, um, it's, it's that emotion you create that I hate this product, I love this product, I trust this, brand, this, this experience. While UI is what you see in front of you. So um, it's the buttons, the colors, the branding, how, how, think, how that experience shapes up in a visual side. Mm -hmm. um, so that's why they're two different if you want practices. UI, UI is the creative part in terms of visual creativity, while UX is more on the process, the strategy, the, the interaction you want to create um, with, uh, with this. So in summary, it's like UX is the big umbrella under which you have content and UI and everything that and makes so a product. That that is exactly my, my next question. What is then, where do they meet? What is the combination? How much can we do separately uh, UX from UI? And how much do we need to combine these two elements? Or as you said, put UI under UX to actually lead to that delightful experience that we're trying to get? It's a process. So you have to start with UX. You know, it, UX okay. is understanding your users, doing your user research, personas, designing the customer journey before you start to think of any visual, you know, so I want the user to start with this, then do that. Um, and, uh, and when you're done with that, you go to the actual prototyping, and also a non visual way. So when we do UX prototypes, we do it on a black and white design, it's not a colored thing, we don't think of branding. And on when purpose. this is on purpose, you because you neutralize that. Yes, because feedback, when we, we, you need, I mean, the currency of UX and everything that you need about UX is at least confirming UX is feedback. So how do you know that what you've designed is clear? If you add the branding, then you don't have, you might have biased uh, opinion. Mm -hmm. We're different. I might like a color and you might not like it. So the feedback is a bit different. So that's why we make it in different stages. Um, right. uh, and then when you're done and you lock the experience and the UX, this is when you move to the UI. And, and what, other, what other elements are there other than the UI in, in making it work? And if, if I'm putting together a team uh, to develop the best experience for my user, uh, in addition to having a UI people, what kind of other um, disciplines come into play in this, in this team? If, if we're thinking from the also design perspective, one thing that a lot of people overlook is content. You know? Mm -hmm. um, you know, now you have something that's very common, it's UX writing as well. Um, okay. uh, and content strategy, because what people see is the actual content. It could be a great experience. The design can be great, but people can trip over small details, you know? Yeah. Um, and do you mean by content, uh, the copy or even the, 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 the visual elements? Copy. When case. I say content, okay. it's text. Yes, it's, pure, it's, it's pure the, the text. text. Exactly. Very interesting. And um, so that, that's an interesting uh, combination. And, uh, you know, we, we wanted to talk about uh, a little bit more about uh, what, what you do at Oliver Wyman when it comes to, to, the, the, to the bigger scale of things. And uh, uh, everyone, you know, these days is predicting that when this pandemic is over, we will get into a new normal. 
in my very humble opinion, and I think you shared it a little bit, that there was never anything normal in the past, and uh, I don't think we'll ever go back to a normal, and that's why I like to call it business unusual. So we mm. keep adapting and, uh, you know, morphing our ways to changing circumstances and disruptive events, whether natural events like what we're seeing here, or competitive, uh, you know, actions. Uh, one clear example uh, that we are living today, literally, is the U.S. elections. And uh, this is the adaptation of a democratic process that has been maybe, you know, centuries old and in development in 2020 under a lot of, uh, you know, physical stress, uh, if you wish, from, from the pandemic. And, uh, and, uh, and as well as the content of it, uh, considering uh, everything that's happening around media and fake news and, and, and information. What is, your, you know, uh, your view uh, from, you know, the big uh, projects perspective on, on how such user experiences can, can be evolved for large scale processes? Um, I mean, it's a great question, and especially when it comes to elections and governments, you know, one thing that we think that UX is something you do to a technical product, sure. while also, I mean, citizenship is an experience, part, being part of a country is also something that, you know, governments should design, um, you know, anything that's human let's say it's human centric we're humans you know well uh, actually you know we have that uh, in dubai very strongly like when 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 smart dubai and smart city was developed it was developed around the theme of happiness uh, so that that's very important as you said and even today most large organizations especially the utilities and government organization have what they call a customer happiness center it's not a customer support or customer experience so very important from this perspective so yeah but let's let's talk more about your uh, your view on that uh yeah exactly and it's it's because people realize and there's one thing i mean you're saying that the, the the things changed and what i see that's a bit positive with what's changing is that there's a raising awareness about you know empathy understanding people adapting even companies corporate companies mm. they're thinking more about how to make their employees feel more comfortable not just deliver uh, it was it was starting, you know, you had happiness even um, uh, uh, departments and companies, to, to, you know, but now it's becoming much more important because um, we realize that it's all about people and if people are happy, they perform, they spend, they do better, you know, um, in terms of products, let's say, but also in terms of governments and elections, it's also about understanding what people need, even the way the, the, the elections was adapted to COVID, to people with you know, they, they're afraid to vote. Um, there are lots of things you take into considerations because of what's happening around you, um, you know? Um, and when you work with large organizations, the impact is bigger. Um, so and, and that, that's also true uh, because most of the time, as opposed to a startup who, you know, maybe has no users because they're starting hopefully early, we never do that, or little number of users compared to, you know, a, a large corporation or a government, and the process that is already running. How do you come in and and, uh, and are you able to do this shift without disrupting? And, and how do you manage the risk around that? Uh, I mean, the, the risk for me, it's the opportunity. So it's also understanding, you know, what are the what, when you're working with a startup, you're working with, with very major uncertainties. Um, you're working about uncertainty, even about the team. Are they going to mm. stick together? um is is the uh, what what's, are they going to get enough funding to do that it's very yeah. it's very different and you think very short term 
When it's come to government, what's important is the vision that they have. Um, and, and usually, uh, of course, there's a bigger scale of, uh, uh, like, let's say, processes and things you have to follow. Uh, but when you're working on a large scale people, large scale project with a bigger funding and bigger, more experts, the impact is much more bigger that you can make. Um, and that can impact people's lives, everyone's lives, not the selected people who are using this product, you know. And, and you approach something very important, the human aspect, even with companies and their employees. How do you make them feel more comfortable? But beyond comfort and happiness, one big uh, theme that I'm detecting lately across everything we do is trust. Uh, you know, trust in information, trust in the system, in the data. Right now we're seeing that, you know, in the U.S. we've had fake news. We couldn't trust the news. Mm -hmm couldn't trust, you know, whether the, the process will work, postal service, etc. Now we're counting and recounting, etc. Abstracting all of this particular issue of uh, the elections and in general, what is the importance of, of user experience in establishing this trust? Because especially when we talk digital experience, you know, trust is a very important uh, element of it. Yeah, um, I mean, uh, the the one thing I would say, and I see a lot of, let's say, even go, every like products, they, 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 if you want to miss when they're working on a, on a design of a product or, or experience, is thinking of what can go wrong. Mm. You know, uh, we always want to think of the best case scenario, but, uh, and we design for the best case scenario, but we don't think of what could go wrong. What are things that people are feeling? How do we make them trust? You know, sometimes it could be, um, let's say, for the for the elections, uh, transparency could be, I don't know, showing, um, show, anyway, doing different counts initially, planning for that. Um, there are lots of things that you can think about when you start to understand who's the person who, who who's behind this, not behind this, who's the audience, who's your audience. Yeah. Um, and it also, again, it's really thinking like every step in the milestone, uh, what uh, what could be a challenge and thinking of how to fix it before it happens and with people trust i mean you can lose trust really easily if you if something wrong happened and you didn't tr treat it well it's not about not letting anything happen uh, things go uh, in different directions you cannot always be pro like know what's going to go wrong but it's how you deal with it when it happens that really? makes people trust you and believe in you as a company or product or government and uh, what are kind of the, the 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 techniques that you deploy in this case? Is there any? How much of it is in the system and in, in the feedback? Is it visual? How do you establish that uh, you know loop? It's. I mean, you need to understand one. What's what could happen? You know, is it something you can solve with a uh, with a I don't know verification something like a uh, um, a badge on the website? You know, who trusts us? Whether it, could it be a testimonial from people that people others can trust? Mm -hmm. uh, could it be so? Either providing a number if your audience is let's say older who would want to call someone and confirm that the, the feature is actually providing a call center who can respond to people's issues, you know? It, it yes. depends, and how do you do this? You break down the journey. You think of the milestones and the steps, and you try to think at every step, what should we do now? What can go wrong? What's an opportunity to improve, right. you know? Interesting. Um, 
Let's talk, to, you know, I'll talk a lot more about trust in coming episodes and maybe we'll come back to this topic uh, together. Uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, about the, the future and, 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 you know, getting into that. A small fun fact that, uh, that I know about you a few years ago, you were about to quit your job and, and start a career in acting. Uh, tell me a little bit more about this, and maybe our our listeners will be interested to know that uh, what were you what you had in mind, and then I will tell you how this intersects our discussion. Okay, great. So when I before I quit my job in 2015, I quit my job and I just decided to see what I want to do. It's not just acting, but it was also what is it in my career that I want to focus on. But what pushed me there is I was doing a lot of acting classes and. You know, I realized, you know, I, I want to do something um, different. Uh, it was a perspective that I added to my life that made me take a bit of more risk, if you want. Yeah. Um, and when I quit my job, it was also like the same month, randomly, I landed a play. Uh, huh. And yeah, I was in a play for like three months. We were playing around Lebanon. Um, and I was working, I started getting projects. But for me, I realized like it's passion. It's a hobby that I like to keep on the side. Um, but it was very interesting uh, before or it was the first uh, first time you, you were completely amateur or you were acting uh, you know in certain clubs or, or uh, you know schools before yes I took like four or five acting classes from improv okay. to method so it, it I've been doing this for like a year and a half and it's a passion that I had since I was younger but uh, yeah so um, so this was my first let's say official play where uh, you have a script and you're you're in shows where you don't know anyone and things like that um but it, i mean it, it was very interesting and it's something that i'm really um happy i did uh because it it really helped me as well in my career um yeah. it, it helps when you're talking about uh, customer journeys and personas i'm sure uh, there's a lot of acting involved you know like uh, even if it's in in your mind yeah, it's actually, you know, the, the, the key thing about UX is putting yourself in the shoe of someone you don't know, you know, and the same thing with acting. When I had to play a role of someone like I don't identify with that person, I don't have the experience, I have to read, I have to research, I have to try to meet someone and understand them to be able to play the role. It's the same thing with um, with UX and design, like how can you design for someone that or that has a pain and you cannot understand what that pain means in their life, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's something that you, like, it teaches you to how to, like, there are techniques that get yourself out of what you know. Um, and also, like, being on a stage and improvising even helped me with, you know, presenting and teaching and all of these that I wasn't used to do before, you know? Um, yeah, a lot of, uh, in fact, improv is being used a lot nowadays in, in you know, in leadership and, uh, you know, management kind of uh, settings. But the reason I was, uh, you know, interested uh, with that is something more related to UI, actually, and the uh, discussion that we had on the previous podcast with uh, Ahmed Sultan from uh, Zisha and Squadex, which led me to tweet, uh, maybe a little bit erroneously, but... Uh, I said Tom Cruise, Scarlett Johansson, and Steven Spielberg walked into a bar or a webinar in this case. Uh, the, the, the concept that I had read about and relevant to UI specifically is the major influence in, in UI at the beginning of this century was Minority Report. Uh, you know, how Tom Cruise was, you know, swiping left, right, top, you know, shrinking screens, etc. And that was a huge influence on, on, on how user interfaces evolved, uh, developed. And 10 years later came her. 
don't mm. know if you watch, if you've yes. seen her and and her, you know, brings this element which maybe we 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 touched upon UI at the beginning of the the, the chat uh, being a visual thing, but nowadays more and more UI is a audible thing as well. It's a vocal thing. So and you know, Ahmed and I talked about uh, those influences uh, in in the UI. What are the cultural and social influences? Uh, you know. In, in the UX world, where where do you look for inspiration? We talked about acting. This is uh, you know one one clear example. But what are other examples? What what's what's a defining moment now? I mean, what I always say, like you cannot design like experiences sitting in a room. You know, um, you need to be out there. You need to experience new stuff. You need to try new products. Um, uh, put yourself in the situation of where the product is going to be used. You know what I mean? Um, I think that helps a lot with creativity and getting outside of your own thoughts because a challenge as a UX designer is, you know, when you design something, you're not going to find it hard or you're yeah. not going to find it dull. You've designed it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so you need to be able to to put yourself in, a let's say, uh, an environment that is creative as well. So if if i mean from my end what i used to do a lot is travel and experience other stuff to be able to stay creative and you know um know what's happening out there not just reading um uh, Mult when, when travel was exactly yeah. so that, that's good because if we talk about technology and now you know us being a little bit more limited in our uh, movement geographically how do you compensate for that what what is the way that you know to keep this cultural inspiration happening uh, and this awareness about, you know, what's happening socially around the world. What is your substitute for travel? My substitute for travel, I mean, I, am, I, I consider myself lucky that throughout my travels and experiences, I met people from all over the world, um, you know, whether professionally, whether through workshops. So, I, and, and also, especially with COVID, it was interesting to see how everyone was living the same thing, but differently, you know? Yeah. So um, I think getting in touch with people who are living different experiences, like in the US today, that's all they have. When when, when you're li living in different countries, you have um, specificities. Yeah. Um, so it's also getting to know what, like being in contact with people. I think it helps if you can't move, um, if you can't go there. And also within your own internal environment, moving around helps. Uh, not being always within the four um, walls uh, is, is something that, of course, being careful with COVID and everything. But yeah. uh, and, and try to experience new things. I think the challenge, the, what keeps personally me creative is always I have something new challenging me, whether it's a hobby, it's a skill. Um, you can learn even things in your own home. You know, during the COVID for me, I went back to playing the piano. That's something I never I haven't done in a while. So it's always keeping a challenge that you're reaching that also keeps you um, creative. Somehow. Keep this uh, agility of, of, of the mind, uh, basically, to be able to, you know, uh, so agility that usually travel satisfies, as you as you said, now you have to substitute for other ways. And learning is good. It's a very interesting way of doing it. So you, you said, uh, you said the piano, what, what else have you been, uh, you know, spending your time, free time, if any, uh, developing? <laughs> Um, I think, I mean, the free time, it's very now with, with everything being, you'd be amazed. You'd think that we have more time, but with this, we have way less time because 
we're juggling things, um, uh, a lot of things. So from my end, it's um, I think it was piano. It, it was piano, just um, like a, a bit of uh, running. I tried, you know, some like activities that I used to do it differently before, but yeah. I try to explore. Um, and internal like uh, tourism. That there are places I always wanted to go to. That you know now. Um, That's absolutely true. Uh, there is a, this whole local aspect that has developed around us. I was even listening to a podcast about Airbnb and how they managed to quickly substitute the local uh, travel to the geographical uh, tourism that was fueling their business. That's very interesting. And uh, it's uh, technology-wise, you know, because you're a geek, you're a coder, what is coming next, in your opinion, that will, uh, you know, define how user experiences will evolve? What's the top most exciting tech uh, thing that you, you, you see happening in the next five, ten years? Um, I mean, the, again, what we're like, I, I see a lot of, and, and it's already happening, like there are fields today that require a lot of, um, uh, if you want digital transformation much faster, like healthcare um, and uh, healthcare and education. I think these are the top two that, you know, I mean, it, it's funny, like last year I, I went to MIT, I took a boot camp in healthcare innovation. It was between MIT and, and Harvard. And exactly a year ago, you look at the issues that we were dealing with, they're completely different than, than the ones, not completely, but the needs were different, the startup yeah. ideas were different. And we see like today it's it's sped up really, like it's, it's, it's speeding up really fast. Yeah. And, uh, and we're seeing a lot of innovation now regarding that, you know, remote access to, to that. Same thing with education, access to education wherever you are. Uh, and I think a lot of tools are going to develop around that, especially with the workforce. So work, um, uh, education and, and healthcare are three, um, I think, most affected at this point with the potential of, of more enhancement. Absolutely. We, we had uh, already, we did a podcast about education. We talked this, we talked in the very interesting podcast session uh, on, uh, on healthcare and we saw also how you know, certain uh, elements in the system were resisting change before resisting, uh, resisting digitization. And now, you know, it has been forced for the better, unfortunately, by, by not great events. But, uh, you know, at least there is uh, some upside uh, to, to that. Lara, um, thank you very much uh, for joining. I think we're going to have, uh, I hope we're going to have the chance to, to talk more in, in future sessions. Uh, uh, our listeners, I thank you again for tuning uh, in to this episode of Files to Yours. I sincerely hope you enjoyed uh, our conversation and the interesting insights that Lara has uh, shared with us. We covered a wide range of topics from the very basics of UX uh, to its future, as well as interaction with major global trends and events. If you'd like to know more about the topic or dig deeper in any particular aspects, please reach out to Lara or myself uh, through our social media. We're available on LinkedIn. I'm at Wirelessly on Twitter. And always, please, as usual, feel free to reach out. Give me your feedback about the podcast, uh, new topics that you'd like to hear about in future episodes of Wirelessly Yours. Thank you very much.